We are continuing this series today, Summer Stories. We've been talking about different stories out of the Bible. Obviously, we're not going to be able to cover all of them because there's a lot of stories in the Bible. But today, uh, we're going to be talking about Nebuchadnezzar. How would you like to say that ten times real fast, right? Or even spell that. Listen, after doing this message and writing it, I can actually spell the name Nebuchadnezzar now. Just don't quiz me on it next week because I'll probably forget. But anyway... Let's get into it. I'm talking about pride. Anybody, anybody ever struggle with pride? The prideful people will not raise their hand. So uh, <laughs> it's an issue I think all of us deal with, and, and there is a price to it. So I do want to talk and just kind of preface as we talk about it is a sin. How many of you realize that? Like, what? Are you kidding? Uh, here's the thing. Sin is sad. I hate what it does to people, don't you? I hate uh, not just to the people, but our sin affects those around us, whether we realize it or not. And it's painful to watch people go uh, through the consequences of the bad choices and sin they make in their life. And, and let's be honest, even if you don't like a person, how many of you know it's still difficult to see them have to suffer that, right? If you enjoy that, then maybe you need to pray a little bit more, but... Uh, we don't want to see that. It's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. And here's the deception that we have. It's the thought that I can get away with this and nobody will ever know. Yeah, how many of you know? That's a deception. You do some, here's the thing. If you do something for the first time, maybe you steal something small, uh, view pornography, cheat on your spouse, and you don't get caught, some people, that can be a rush, right? I got away with it. Nobody knew. And, and what happens is that you become a little more bolder the next time, right? And, that, and, and it gets bolder and bolder. It's like a snowball. Eventually, you get caught up in this lifestyle of sin, right? We, some of us know exactly what we're talking about. We're like, hey, listen, I'm getting away with it. Nobody knows. My friends don't know. My pastor doesn't know. My spouse doesn't know. My boss doesn't know. And, and that deception is that, you know, I know other people get caught other people suffer horrible consequences, but not me because I'm too smart. Right? I've got it figured out. I'm too good at that. And how many of you know that's exactly how Satan works? Right? You believe his lies. You believe that no one will ever know that this is just fun. I'm not hurting anybody. I can stop this anytime I want. I'm just having fun and there's no price to pay. How many of you know that's a lie? Right? Satan offers you fun, he offers you these good feelings, but how many of you know he conceals the price? He doesn't tell you how much you're going to cost, and once you discover the price, it's too late, and, and you realize it's much higher than you ever imagined. Uh, I've shared this phrase many times, but it says, sin will take you further than you wanted to go, it will keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you wanted to pay. Isn't that true? Sin basically leaves a trail of emotional and physical, relational, spiritual destruction. You can see it. That is the enemy's real plan. And so he'll lie to you and make you think that it's not a big deal, but that's exactly what he does. It says in John 10, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Your marriage, your career, your family, your reputation, anything that, that God wants to do in us, he wants to tear that apart. Can you imagine, how many of you remember like, like kids when they're small, like I think about my grandkids, when they do something bad, how many of you know it's written all over their face? <laughs> Eventually they get older 
and they start getting, we, all, we get good at hiding our things, am I right? Like, you get really good at it eventually. Can you imagine if you were at a place, if, the, if we lived in a world where you couldn't hide your sin at all? Like, if you did it, everybody knew it. I mean, we would be a little more cautious, am I right? If everybody knew what I was doing, then I probably would take a second thought. Like, anybody ever hear that phrase, I heard this right from the horse's mouth? Anybody ever hear that? That's usually talking about gossip that we heard. Can you imagine that if you were a gossip and immediately you turned into a horse's mouth? Like you see somebody coming along with that kind of face, you're like, ooh, I'm not telling them nothing because they're going to tell somebody else, right? What about if you ended up stealing something and you just turned into this bad little dog, right? Right? Oh, oh, he's so cute, right? But if you saw that little dog, he's like, uh-oh, you know what? He's going to steal something from me. Get that dog out of here, right? <laughs> what about if you disobeyed your parents? How many of you remember Pinocchio? And when they disobeyed, what did he turn into? A donkey. So don't say it out of the way it says in the movie. But uh, all of a sudden, you got donkey ears coming out of your head. It's like, uh-oh, watch out, that's a disobedient person. What if you had impure thoughts that were running around in your mind and, all, and that made your hair turn green, right? He looks like he's got some impure thoughts going on right there, right? And you're like, oh man, watch out for that green person. I'm getting out of here, he's a creeper. What if you told a lie, and, and i got to use Pinocchio again, but all of a sudden your nose started growing, can you imagine what that would look like if, I, if every lie that we told, our nose kept getting bigger and bigger? It's like, that, that's crazy, right? I mean, I wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to hide your sin, right? There'd be no secret life going on. Parents and grandparents, you would know if your kids or your grandkids are lying. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. But guess what? They would also know if you're lying. Right? It's like, oh, well, I don't know if I want that one, right? So uh, sometimes we think about that maybe for others, but not for us. Here's the thing. I often, we often want other people to receive punishment. We want to receive grace. I mean, it's like, that's kind of natural. It's like if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you know, or well, let me put it this way. If you cut somebody off in traffic, what, we feel bad usually. Like, oh man, I didn't see them. I'm sorry. My bad, right? Isn't that what you usually, people say? Uh, but if somebody cuts you off, then there is no grace because they're a jerk. They're a loser. They have no idea how to drive. They got their driver's license from a Cracker Jack box, right? We're ready to bring heat out on them. And it's like, oh, so how many of you know? We identify with that. They deserve that. I mean, here's the reality. We judge other people by their action. We want to be judged by our motives. That wasn't my intent. I didn't mean to do that. You know, I know that I said those harsh words, but, you know, that wasn't really what my heart was. And so that's kind of how we are. They deserve it. We deserve mercy and grace. So I want to look at Daniel chapter 4 about King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and towards the end, we're going to get, because he sent a letter out to the whole world. Like, that would be amazing, right? And this letter tells about uh, King Nebuchadnezzar when his sin became visible for everybody to see. No hiding it, no pretension. Uh, God taught King Nebuchadnezzar a painful lesson. So I want to give you the backstory on it before he sent this letter out, and then we're going to get to the uh, letter. So if you're not sure who King Nebuchadnezzar was, he was a great king, he was a mighty king, 
and one of the most powerful men in the world, and he was very proud of it. How many of you know power can get you puffed up? Right? Oh, man, I'm the most powerful person. But one night he had a dream. It was a very, I'm not going to read the dream, but he was very confused. He tried to get all of his wise people to come in and explain his advisors to tell him what the dream was. Nobody could tell him. They were like, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, what did you eat last night? Because that was the weirdest dream. He had no idea, but he knew that it was not normal. Uh, eventually, he got Daniel, who was an Israelite captive there, to tell him about what his dream. So Daniel comes in, and we're going to pick it up at verse uh, 24. Daniel tells him, This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the king. Now, that's kind of a scary way to start it out. God's issuing a decree against you, so that's pretty bold and strong. So this is what, what Daniel tells him about his dream. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass, talking about seven years when he says that, for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives to them anything that he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree, that was part of his dream, with its root means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. So he, summarizing it, he's saying, King, you're like super prideful. You believe that all the good things in the, your kingdom are because you are so great. You're so amazing. You've turned your back on God and you think that you're God. You think that it's all because of you. And Daniel's telling him, if you don't repent and change, you're going to live like a cow for seven years. I mean, not like a literal cow, but he's going to be out there at the wild animals eating grass. I mean, you know, that's a cow. I don't, I don't want to do that. And so Daniel goes on to say, that was the interpretation of the dream. He goes on to say, therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. How many of you know the king didn't ask for advice? He wanted the interpretation of the dream, but Daniel's taken a step of faith. Listen, this is my advice, king. He tells him, renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that your prosperity will continue. So that's the word from God. That's the advice from Daniel. And, and at this point, we have no idea what happened because the Bible doesn't say it. There's no mention if he received it. Instead, the scripture picks up one year later because at this point, Nebuchadnezzar forgot the dream. Totally went out like nothing was happening. This prideful king thought, hey, listen, I'm above the law. Nothing's going to happen to me. I can do whatever I want. Let me just say, pride is dangerous, am I right? It's really the underlying cause of why most people fail. Whether you're a Christian, whether you're not Christian, it's so easy. Am I right? Is it easy to spot in other people? If you see a prideful person, it's like, man, they're so arrogant. They're so full of themselves. They think they got, but it's a little bit more difficult to see in our own self. A little more difficult to see in our own self. Proud people say things like, I'm not proud. I'm just super confident. Right? I do, I'm just walking around and bold. I'm just bold. I'm just confident. Uh, other people that think that I'm proud, they're just, you know, they're just not as successful as I am. So here's the, here's the principle that we need to learn. Pride is a me first living. 
I live for me first. As you put yourself up on a pedestal like I can do anything, I deserve all these things in life, I have power, uh, and, and a proudful person, how many of you know, never uh, admits fault to something? It's always somebody else's fault. If something happens, who do I get? i got to point my blame at somebody here. So uh, Daniel goes on to tell him, verse 29, 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the palace of Babylon, he says, is not this the great Babylon, what does he say? I, I have built as the royal residence. So he's looking out, he's admiring everything that he did. Uh, I made this beautiful, I made it great by my own hand. So pride says three things, so I want to cover that. The first one, pride says, look what I've done. All right, look at what I have done. Uh, we may say things a little bit different, like I built this business all by myself. Anybody ever hear someone say that? I got this degree. I made this money. You know, I, 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 all of these things. I made it happen. I solved this problem. You know, I quit drinking on my own. I don't need any help from anybody else. A lot of eyes. How many of you know they have this, uh, uh, there's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. How many of you know there's also the me, myself, and I? That's not the good trinity. And this morning as I was praying over this message, I remembered a song, and I think most of you guys will remember it, uh, by R. Kelly called I Believe I Can. See, you guys know that. So I was, I was looking at the lyrics of that song, and I'm just going to give you a brief part of the, I guess, the chorus or something. But he says, if I can see it, I can do it. And if I believe it, no, there's nothing to it. I believe I can fly. So I went through that whole song. Do you realize there are 63 I's in that song? Yeah. I, I can do this and I can do that. I got this and all. Listen, if you're so focused on everything that you, and first of all, listen, you can't fly. I don't care how much you believe it. Believe it all you want, right? Uh, I want to see it actually happen, you know, start flapping your arms. Anyway, 63 I's that are there. Uh, here's the backstory on R. Kelly. He had up at a, upwards to $100 million at one point. And uh, some of you guys are aware of the crimes and the things, uh, sex trafficking, all kinds of horrible stuff. Now he's serving life in prison. He went from $100 million to now he's, uh, his net worth, I looked it up online, is negative $2 million. How many of you know what happens when you have a lot of eyes? I can do this, I can do that. I don't think he foresaw where that was taking him. Pride has a price, and it's not, ooh, I can do all of this, I've got this, I can do that. Uh, so we have to be careful when we start using those eyes because that's the first step of what pride does. I've done it. I've made it. What about, he goes on to say, he goes, is this not the great Babylon I have built as my royal residence by what? My mighty power. So the second thing pride says is I'm great. I'm amazing. You know what? I'm wonderful. Look at me. Look at all that I've got. I mean, come to think of it, I am really good. Right? I, I do. You know, the world is lucky to have me. Right? As a matter of fact, this church, you guys are just lucky that I'm here. As a matter of fact, God is lucky to have me. How many of you know that's dangerous ground right there? So I'm just, I'm not being serious here. It's a, it's a dangerous thing. Look, look how much money I give. I mean, we, you've heard people, oh man, I give all this to the church. You, I should get as, because look what I have done. 
other than the fact that God maybe gave you that ability, right? So Nebuchadnezzar, he's thinking how great he is. Look at what I've done. Let's look at the rest of that verse 30 there. Is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my uh, mighty power and for the glory of what? My majesty. How many of you know he's just wallowing in that me, myself, and I? He's just going in it all, all in. And uh, I, let's be honest. You hear somebody say like that, it's pretty easy to dislike Nebuchadnezzar at this point. Right? That guy's a jerk, right? He thinks he did all of that. Uh, but he, uh, he made the mistake many of us make, and that the most dangerous one is that I'm great, I did it, uh, but often this one right here, I deserve this. I deserve this, right? In fact, uh, I deserve better than what I'm getting. I know nobody here has ever said that, but sometimes it's like, I didn't deserve that. This is what I deserve. And if you see somebody else maybe get blessed in some way, uh, God gives them something, uh, uh, you might say, they don't deserve that. And you know what you're really saying is, I deserve that. Isn't that right? It's like, they don't deserve it, I deserve it. I want to give you real quick, this is just something, kind of a little side note, but I think it's something we need to understand. Uh, It's the receiving progression, and you can just fill those in in your notes right there. There's blessing, expectation, and entitlement. And let me put it this way, when you receive something that you didn't work for, that you didn't earn, uh, how many of you know a lot of times we say, man, that's a blessing, Let's just say uh, if you go somewhere and this person always brings you a cup of coffee for free, you didn't ask for it, it's like, oh man, thank you. You know what? That's a real blessing. And if they keep doing it several times and eventually all of a sudden one day you show up and they don't give it to you, they don't get, you're like, wait a minute, I came expecting. You know, what used to be a blessing, now I expect it every time I show up. I mean, you've done it before. How come I, what's going on? And that's a really quick step going from expectation to entitlement. Like, you know, I expect it. Actually, I deserve it. Where's my coffee at? And this is what happens if we're not careful in life. The prideful person will feel entitled to what they used to consider a blessing. Ow, right? It's like... Oh, thank you for that. This is so amazing. And we've seen it happen time and time again in people's lives, or maybe in your own life, and you're thinking, oh, man, you know what? Lord, thank you. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. Nebuchadnezzar is at this point in his life where he's seeing his kingdom, and he thinks he deserves it. I deserve it. I'm entitled to this. And, and, and God had reminded him, warned him a year ago about his pride. Let me just say this. If God, and I've had people speak words over me. Anybody ever had somebody speak a word from God over your life? Man, I've had some good words. But if somebody came up and said, Pastor Scott, you know what? You're a little prideful. And if you're not careful, God's going to turn you into a cow. Can I just say I would remember that word? Anybody else remember? And it's like, eh, that jerk telling me I'm going to turn. Anyway, I would remember that word. Obviously, Nebuchadnezzar forgot all about it. It just went out of his mind. So let's just go for it one more time. Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power for the glory of my majesty? And I love this. The words were still on his lips. How many of you know that's the dramatic part in a movie, right? Where you hear, dun, 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 right? What? What's going to happen? Check it out. 
it says, when a voice from heaven, like he heard God's voice. But this was probably not the time he wanted to hear God's voice. Because this is what God tells him. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. He says, your royal authority has been taken from you. In other words, you're no longer the king anymore. And it happened like, I can't really snap, but, oh, I did. I got a little snap out of that. That fast, all right? Somebody snap for me. Thank you. It happened that fast. And listen, the same thing can happen to you and I. So I want to cover another three points. The price of pride is that I lose the very thing that made me proud in the first place. It it happens. We've seen it. Whatever your source of pride is, whatever it is that's built you up, whatever thing that you've put before God, that's what you're going to lose. That's what you're going to lose. If it's position, you're going to lose it. If it's power, if it's possessions, whatever it is. And, And let me just say this. This is the height of ingratitude. That the very thing that God gave you makes you proud. I mean, think about that. Whether it's attention, recognition, making money, whatever it is. Positions from God, your talent. Ooh, I got my talent. I'm so good. You thought that it was you, and you were proud of it, but then it's gone. We've seen it happen time and time again. Pride will cause you to lose the very source of your pride. It happens. So God continues. God's still speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. Look what he goes on to tell him. You will be driven away from people. You will live like the wild animals. You will eat grass. I don't know. I've never eaten grass, but it doesn't sound very tasty. Am I right? Uh, he goes seven times. Again, there's seven. This is exactly what Daniel told him was going to happen, and he ignored it. So now God is telling him seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone that he wishes. And then it says immediately, there's that snap again, let me hear it. Oh, I heard a clap, there you go. (laughs) Immediately what was been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled, and he was driven away from people. So that, he found himself now, you know, I was this king, everybody's serving me, now he's alone. So that is the second price of pride, is that it isolates you from other people. And you may think, well, you know what, that, I'm not getting driven into eating grass or anything, but how many of you realize prideful people don't have a lot of friends? Yeah, because nobody wants to be around them. I don't care, Christian, non-Christian, prideful people are annoying to be around. Am I right? You don't want to be around that person. So the prideful person will be a lonely person, and that is the result of being isolated from the very people you are trying to impress. Think about that. Oh, yeah, I can do this and I can do that. And people are like, you know, slowly distancing themselves from you. They may tolerate you, but they're not going to be your buddy. I can guarantee that. Uh, Verse 33, it says, He was driven away from people, ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers uh, of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. That sounds really gross, right? Uh, But historians basically say he lost his mind. His hair's getting all nap, you know, nappy looking and hair, fingernails growing, all of that. And it's like, he was this, he's not proud anymore, right? When you're in that position, now people are just simply making fun of him. Oh yeah, Nebuchadnezzar, he's the butt of everybody's joke at this point. Kind of like what we like to do with our uh, political leaders, am I right? 
they become the butt of our joke. And, and uh, he's not proud anymore. That's the result of pride. It's not pretty. Let me tell you, we've seen it. You've seen it time and time again happen to people's lives. Fall, it's painful, it's ugly. So that's the third price of pride is that we become humiliated. We become humiliated. And you may wonder, how could God do that to somebody? Why would God allow that to happen? Remember, God warned him. He warned him in a dream. He knew it was coming, but he ignored all the warnings, all right? Same thing. Sometimes you and I do the same thing. If you, uh, if you run through the list of maybe Christian musicians and uh, famous preachers that have been around and have suffered humiliating public falls, how many of you know you could probably name some? I could have started putting up pictures, but I'm not going to do that. But their sin is laid out because there was no repentance. It's like, oh yeah, I've gotten here. I've made this. And let me just say, it's not just big names. Small names, names that maybe uh, only a local community might hear have fallen. You don't have to be big to fall, all right? You can fall from a very small uh, place, uh, but it happens. If we ignore the warnings from God, it'll happen to any of us, amen? So God puts stop signs in our lives for us to listen. We may not have a dream, we may not have Daniel, but how many of you know we have people in our lives that can speak into our lives? We've got God's Word. We've got this story of Daniel. Like, these stories are not written just to entertain us. They're there to warn us, right? They're there to teach us. They're there to show us. Maybe you're hearing a sermon. Maybe you're hearing a sermon today about it. Moments in our life that we've got to do something about it, we can't just ignore it, right? So just know that there is a high price for a pride-filled life. Why is that? Why is pride such a big deal? Look at what the scripture says in James. God does what? Opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What happens when we become prideful is that we've set ourselves up against God. God is not our enemy, but we make God our enemy by becoming proud. God says he's not going to share his glory with anybody. And when we become proud of that, then guess what? We're taking it away from God. We're doing exactly what Lucifer did in the, in the scripture, and he fell from heaven and became Satan. All right? So I don't want to oppose God. I'm like, God, I want to help. Lord, help me to humble myself, like for real. So if you have pride... And listen, maybe you know it, maybe you don't. Maybe you thought, hey, listen, I'm getting away with this. Maybe you're at a place where you're getting away with the things that you are right now. Let me tell you, that price is going to come due one day. Or maybe you're at the place where, you know what, I'm suffering the effects of it. You can identify with Nebuchadnezzar eating the grass. Maybe you would rather eat grass than what you're going through right now. Like, okay, God, let me just get a salad bowl of grass instead of what I'm dealing with. Uh, the consequences are real. Maybe you lost a family. Maybe you lost friends. Maybe your kids hate you because of things that you've done to them. Maybe you're no longer employable, at least not at any good-paying job. Who knows? Maybe the road back looks so impossible that you're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get there. You felt alone, humiliated. Let me tell you, that's the backstory to Nebuchadnezzar. That's how he got there. But he wrote a letter, and guess what? Just like he did, you and I can find our way back to the grace of God. So I want to give you uh, the road back and what that looks like. So it says this, after seven years of eating grass and looking like a crazy man, it says, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. 
how many of you know it wouldn't take me seven years of eating grass to finally look to heaven? Would it you? Like seven seconds, seven minutes? Like one bowl of grass would be enough for me. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, especially if there's cilantro in it, right? So, uh, so the first step back is to look to Jesus. Is Timothy in here? Where are you at? There you are. Come on up. So uh, uh, some people say, you know what? I, did I have it right there? Yeah, look to Jesus. Some people say, if I've fallen so far, have you gone that far? Listen, if you're still alive and you're here, let me tell you, you've not gone too far. All you got to do is turn around. Just like the prodigal son who, who left the father, the Bible says when he came to his senses, he turned around and he was heading back to, back to him. King David, when he fell, when he uh, committed adultery and murder, you would think that that's too far. But, you know, in the midst of it, he wrote a psalm, Psalm 51, you know, created me a clean heart. Uh, as Pastor Timothy's going to lead this, I just, can we just take a moment? I don't know where you're at, but I think uh, this is a good place for all of us to be able to be. Lord God, created me that clean heart. Joy of my salvation 
and renew a right spirit within me. And renew a right spirit within me. Amen. That's the kind of God we serve. No matter how far we've gone away, God restores us. God is a restoring God. Amen. And that's where King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, we're, we're looking at his life thinking, oh man, you lost it. But it's like God loved Nebuchadnezzar. And he warned him and he told him. And Nebuchadnezzar raised his eyes and he began to look to God. You know, the scripture says in Hebrews, it says, fix your eyes on who? Jesus, the author and perfecter. One version says uh, the beginning and the end of our faith. Right? We don't just look at him, okay, God, I got a good start. No, we need to follow him all the way through. Amen? Amen? So uh, King Nebuchadnezzar said, my sanity was restored. And verse 34, then I praised the Most High. I honored and I glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is, etern- uh, is an internal dominion. His kingdom. Notice, it's, uh, notice all the eyes are gone. Right? It's his. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Let me just say, this doesn't sound like the same Nebuchadnezzar from seven years ago, does it? Totally different. He figured it out. I mean, it took a rough patch, but he figured it out that everything that he had was because of him. That it wasn't about his kingdom, it was about God's kingdom. And so that's the second step on the road back, is that we give God the glory. Right? We need to be specific on what we're giving God the glory about. It's not just like, oh, God, I give you the glory. If, if God has blessed your family, how many of you know it's not like, oh, man, I did this. Look at my wonderful family. No, you give God the glory for it. Right? If God has blessed you in business, how many of you know God's the one that has given you the wisdom and the understanding to accomplish that? It's like, Lord, thank you for the insight. Thank you for the intellect. And maybe you got a degree and you're like, oh man, I did this myself. No, God gave you the ability to do anything that we're doing. Amen? It is by His hands that He gives us the ability to produce wealth. And so be specific. Give God all the glory. Lord, you deserve it all. And, and I don't want to take any of it my, for myself. And so he continues in verse 35. All the people of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the people of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? You know, sometimes we want to do that. God, why did you let this happen to me? God, why did you do that? Why did you do this? Why am I going through all of these things? We want to question God. Listen, his confession is, God, you're God. You get the final say-so. I don't get the final say-so. So whatever happens, God, I'm giving you the glory. And at this point, we're like, we begin to admit our weakness. Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need you. Uh, you know, if we don't start at that point of admitting our weaknesses, then pride is right there on our door. Then the Apostle Paul said, it's in my weakness that who? Jesus is made strong. I can be strong when I get, and that's so countercultural to what the world says, isn't it? We want to list all of our strengths. I can do this and I can do that. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe you can, but it's just a simple twist of saying, God, the only reason I can is because you gave me that ability. A lot of people that have had a lot of ability, let me tell you, one sickness can take it away like that. 
right? Oh, wow, you know what? Just exactly what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. So uh, admit those areas. Pride is independent, thinking I can do it on my own. But we live in a place of dependence on God. Amen? So he says, At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom, not about him anymore, but about the kingdom. It's like we defeat pride when we begin to live for others. He's not, having, he's not expecting people to serve him. He's realizing, I'm here to serve others. And that's the next one, is that we begin to live our life for others instead of living it for myself. I mean, as the king, everybody serves me. Bring in my food, wash my feet, you know, whatever it is. I need people to serve, but once you depend on God, it's like, I'm here to serve others. I'm here to do for others. It's not about me anymore. Everything that God has given me, it's not for me. It's for his kingdom. We need to have the same attitude. Like whatever God has given you, maybe you have the ability to uh, talk with people, that you can connect with people. Maybe you do have like financial abundance. Maybe you have whatever it is, whatever talent you may have. We need to come to God and say, God, I'm here. How can I use it for your kingdom? What can you use in my life? And you know, let me just say this. If you struggle with pride, if that's an issue, instead of looking to lead, look for a place to serve, right? How can I serve? Listen, if you struggle with it, don't join the worship team. Can I just say the last thing that you need is a mic and lights on you? <laughs> am, I, am I right? You need to find a ministry that gets no public glory, uh, a place to serve selflessly other people, maybe the jobs that nobody else wants to do like changing diapers in the nursery, right? Like, man, that doesn't sound fun. Listen, we serve God and others in, in places that receive no honor. And if somebody gives you the honor, you better be quick to give it back to God. Am I right? Kill your glory-seeking pride. We've got to make that our mission. So serving others, I believe, is an important step back to God. But not only that, I believe it's a wonderful way to prevent pride in our life. If you live your life serving other people, it's a whole lot different. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar goes on in verse 36. My advisors and nobles, they sought me out. I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. How many of you know pride, once you think you've gotten over it, it wants to come back in? Right? Any, I mean, I know this has been true in my life. It's like, oh, thank you, Lord. I've finally gotten over pride. And, uh, you know, then the next thing happens, and then all of a sudden it's like knocking back at my door. Oh, yeah, did you forget about me? Oh, man, that thing again. So it's a battle. But guess what? He does the right thing. Now he's even greater than before, but look at verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. Let me remind you that he's the king of Babylon a pagan nation that has pagan gods, and he had all kinds of them that he was serving, but now he's glorifying the king of heaven. He's identifying who really is. He's telling other people about God, about the God of Israel, about the God that they have taken captives in. And so here's another way back, is talk about God. I mean, let's be honest. It's hard to talk about yourself and talk about God at the same time. It's hard to take credit for something when you're giving the credit to God. Like, oh man, you know what? You did that? That's amazing. It's like, well, yeah, God gave me the ability to do that. God opened the door. God blessed me in this area. <clears throat> you direct it all back to him. 
I'm telling people about what God has done in my life. Make sure that you focus on him. And so Nebuchadnezzar finished his letter in uh, verse 37. He goes, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. How many of you know he's talking firsthand experience right here? Like, I'm not just telling you something that I heard about God. Uh, I was the prideful person. God was the one that humbled me. So when you're, you know, don't ever forget, there is a cost. If you're not struggling with it right now, just understand there is a price to be paid. I need to walk in humility. I know uh, uh, you may be okay right now. Maybe you're not suffering any consequences right now. But look at what Jesus says in Luke 18. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. How many of you know that's a promise? It is going to happen. But those who humble themselves will what? Will be exalted. God will exalt us. Listen, I don't want to try to exalt myself. I'd rather come to Him, serve Him, and then allow God to exalt me. Amen? You know, like a loving parent, let me just say, God is very patient with us. And he'll let us go our way for a while, but how many of you know, eventually he's going to come back and he's going to, and he, because he loves us. He's not going to just let us keep going in the wrong directions. If God is pinpointing a place in your life, maybe you feel, I want to tell you, don't ignore it. I'm not going to have an altar call. If you're struggling with pride, come on up, you know, because how many of you know prideful people aren't going to come up? Maybe I should do that, but I'm not going to do that. So, uh, but if you're struggling with it, I want to tell you, you know, James says this, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. All of that self-promotion stuff, how many of you know it doesn't work? It doesn't work. Nobody cares. Nobody is as impressed with you as you think that they are. And, and listen, I told you at the start, I hate seeing the consequences of sin in people's lives. Right? I hate seeing that. So I want to encourage you, like if that's something... Uh, I don't know, maybe you can sing that song or something else. Can I have everybody stand? I want to pray for you uh, before he actually does that. Maybe you're here today. Again, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but if you're saying, Pastor, I've got some pride in my life that I need to deal with. I've got some areas that, man, I think I'm it. I think I've got that, that, that I need to deal with. Some of you are here today suffering the consequences of it. And I want, to pray for, I want to pray for both of you. So, Lord, Father, I just pray, Lord, if there's anyone dealing, Lord, with pride in their life, Lord God, and Lord, I even include, Lord God, when it tries to creep on me, Lord, Father, let us keep our eyes on you. Let us talk about you. Let us focus on you. Let us realize that the blessings that you have poured in our life are not something that we deserve, but, Lord God, they are just that. They are your grace. They are your mercy. They are you giving us what we don't deserve, Lord God, instead of giving us what we do deserve. So, Lord, we just remember that today, Lord God. And for those that are here today that are suffering, Lord God, maybe some consequences. They've lost relationship, family members, friends, whatever it is, Lord God, you are a God of restoration. Lord, we're not asking you to erase consequences, but Lord God, we're asking for restoration. Lord God, I pray that you restore things that have been broken. Lord, that you would begin to uh, uh, just begin to do a work, Lord God, that only you can. And so, Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that you are a God that heals, that you are a God that restores. And Lord, you are a God that even like Nebuchadnezzar, you put him back up in that place, Lord God, as long as his focus was on you. 
And so, Lord God, I just declare that. Father, people that have lost things, Lord God, as we look up to you, as we look back to Jesus, Lord God, I pray that you put them back in even greater positions, Lord God. And Father, we just thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.